Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer, shall we, as we, as we begin. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. And we want to pause this morning, even as we have gathered and as we are singing, to say thank you to you for all that you are, for all that you've done. We pray that as we are here together this morning, Lord, that you would um, awaken our hearts, that you draw us further into this relationship that we have with you. You are our God. We are your people. And we realize that you've blessed us in so many ways. And so I just pray that as we are here together, that as we are singing Uh, encouraged by the truths we sing and by the sound of one another's voices that your word would strike deeper into our heart and that we would understand more about the truth that we have laid here out before us. So lead us, we pray now. We want to honor you uh, by acknowledging you, by searching for you in your word. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Thanksgiving is the order of the day, isn't it? That's why uh, we have this holiday. This is specifically, I'll say, why we've gathered here this morning. So we're stepping away from from 1 Peter for this Sunday. Um, But really, we're not stepping away that far. Today, we are looking at um, this idea of being thankful to the for the life, for life in the Lord, thankful for life in the Lord. And really, we had a necessary preparation for that last week. We were studying in First Peter, suffering. And we think, man, a lot of this life has to do with suffering. And we understood its necessary presence in a fallen world. If there's a world that's fallen, that's struggling with sin, there's going to be suffering. And we also recognize not just his presence but its glorious purpose because suffering points us to God. C.S. Lewis talked about it being uh, like the warning bell of heaven that sort of awakens us and draws us to look to the Lord and you think about it it's necessary we get suffering in perspective isn't it because how on earth can we be thankful for this life if we don't get suffering in its proper place? You look at it, you know, if, if we were just to, uh, to try and be thankful looking from the inside out at this life, you know, it's about 50-50, maybe worse than 50-50 in terms of hard things we have to face and good things. You know what I'm talking about. Most days we get up and we just go through a normal day and it's, it, it's difficult. We got the normal aches and pains and the struggles and that. And there aren't a lot of those days that we're, you know, at the end of it, jumping up in the air and going, woohoo, you know, this was, a, this was a wonderful day. And you, so it's not just a matter of weighing it out and going, oh, look, we've got so many, you know, so many wonderful things. How can we be thankful? How is it that we are, we are to be thankful? And, you know, we could... We could shake our fist at our forefathers and say, you know, they've, they've, they've forced this, this holiday on us where we have to be thankful. And I don't think my life is all that great. And we can, but you know what? Those people who, 
those people who started this holiday, they lived in harder times than we did, didn't they? You think of everyday uncertainty, less luxury. But these people who began this holiday, when our society was as a whole in a different place, they believed in a God. I'm not saying, oh, they were all Christians walking around, you know, with Bibles in their hands and and prayers lifted toward heaven every moment. No, but they believed in their, their, there's a God. This ordered world comes from an intelligent mind. And they knew that God created the world. And they said, you know what? We need to be thankful. We need to be thankful. And so as they believed and obeyed, he reveals himself. And, you know, we think of it, we think of our responsibility of Thanksgiving, and all through the New Testament, we could, I could have landed on different passages that talk about that one that we just read. It's talking about the type of people we should be in. Colossians starts about, out with love and humility and all of this, and then three times at the end, what type of people are we to be? Thankful people, thankful people, thankful people. We could go to 1 Thessalonians. We know the passage talks about rejoice always in chapter 5. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And we get all these prescription, but not just prescription, you need to give thanks, but also description, telling us how to give thanks. And even in that last verse I read, we see it's every circumstance. It's to God. It's from the heart. But you know, oftentimes the best way to learn how to do something, uh, for me it's all the time. I'm not a book learner. It's watching somebody else do it. That's the best way to learn. And so I started thinking about, okay, going to the Psalms. Because the Psalms, that's where I go to to help me pray every morning. Because those were inspired prayers of God's people. And so there's a lot of Psalms that have to do with thanksgiving. And so I started reading through a number of those thanksgiving Psalms, trying to find, you know, just the perfect one to light on for for this Sunday. Thinking, this is a great opportunity to preach a Psalm. But the more I read, the more I had trouble landing on one particular psalm because I was struck by what I was seeing and by what I was not seeing as I read through these Thanksgiving psalms. There were these themes, principles of Thanksgiving that kept showing up. And then there are these other things that we really associate with Thanksgiving that were not showing up. And it was interesting to me because, you know, the Psalms, these Thanksgiving Psalms, did not focus on the daily bread sort of stuff, the traveling mercies, the health and the wealth and the protection that we often focus on when we talk about being thankful to God. Now, we know these things are important. We know that we can't get away with not being thankful to God for these things. If, if we don't, we know what happens. We, we end up disconnecting from him, don't we? If we don't remember that God is the one who gives us all of those, those little blessings throughout each day, we distance ourselves from him. 
and we become self-absorbed. And we start thinking, why don't I have more of these things that make my life nice? And so it's important that we thank God for these things. But they are the thin edge of the wedge. They're the starting point. They are simply the starting point in terms of thankfulness. And this, this is important. Because otherwise, we end up people being people, even people in, in a church congregation like this who are thanking our lucky stars because we have our needs met and safety in the here and now. We don't want to be those people. When God is in the picture, the daily leads to the divine. The daily blessings that we have, those moment by moment things that God grants to us lead us to look to him. And life becomes so much more. Thanksgiving becomes so much more. And so we're going to turn today to Psalm 100. And we're going to look at it because, now this is a really pragmatic thing. Why are we going to Psalm 100? Because it's the shortest of the Thanksgiving Psalms that includes these three elements. Maybe not as clear as some of them in the other Psalms, but I didn't want to jump around. I didn't want to take a big, huge Psalm. I just wanted to hit these three themes that come up again and again in the Thanksgiving Psalms to really help us know where we're going. Because we could today, you know, we could all stand up and we could say, you know, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that. Uh, And they'd be good things. But I want to see where God is taking us with this idea of thankfulness. How important it is. What it is for. How it is done. Where it leads us. Those are the three questions really we're going to answer this morning. What it is for. How it is done and where it leads us. And if you don't get the answer to those questions after I'm finished talking, come up and ask me afterward and say, it wasn't that clear, okay? So let's read Psalm 100 and see what this briefest of Thanksgiving Psalm has to say. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Well, we've done that. We've been making noise here. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It's he who made us. We are his. We're his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Well, we're going to start off and I'll I'll just say these three themes that I'm going to look at are kind of hidden among just these this call to worship God, this call to sing his praise, this call to be thankful. But the first one that we see in this psalm and throughout the various psalms is giving thanks reestablishes the truth about this earthly life, our existence. What is thankfulness for? It's for reestablishing truth. 
If we're going to honestly exist in this reality, we have to be thankful. We have to be thankful or we're living a lie. You look at what it says, uh, you know, the first couple of verses, they're this call to praise God. But then in verse three, it says, we know that the Lord, he is God. Not just one of the gods. <laughs> Not just one of the invented uh, rulers of this world that people have. But he is God. He is the Lord. He's Jehovah, the Almighty. He's the creator. What does that mean? Well, it goes on. It says he, it is he who made us. We're his. You think about that. That is truth. That's reality. If we're not acknowledging him in his position, we're we're living a lie. We're living a false reality. We worship God, acknowledge who he is, because we would not be here without him. There would be no here without him. And we lose touch with that don't we we start to live this life like you know we're the ones in charge we're the ones in control and everything should just be the way we want it but then the psalmist here and in other places and all through the scripture this is the presentation God is God because we always drift to thinking that we're God that you know Everybody should be serving us and everything should go the way we want to. And it, boy, what does it do? So just grabbing a couple of verses from the Psalm, Psalm 90 verse two, it says, before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So we've got this, this world that God created He is outside of it, and he is eternal. God is the only thing that has been for always, and he made this, this place that we exist in. We could go to Psalm 139, 13 and 14. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Think about that. God made each one of us. He formed us. He knew us. He didn't just sort of boom, humankind. He knit each one of us together. He created us. What do we owe him? The God of the universe was involved in creating us. He wants a relationship with us. He formed you. Do we acknowledge him for who he is? We start to think about that. It says right there, he made us, we are his. 
And the human spirit, the spirit of the day says, wait a minute, are you saying that God has authority over me? That he owns me? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, I refuse to accept that to your peril. Well, why? What, What would happen if we refused God's authority and ownership? We would live a lie. We'd probably have a society that just deteriorated a place where we killed our children, invented all sorts of perversions. There was divisiveness and hatred. Do you think that would happen if we did not acknowledge God? How are you so sure? Because that's what's happening, yes. That's the world we live in, a world that has forgotten God and we see what the result is. And we think of it all of a sudden, what is thankfulness for? It's not some extracurricular activity, something that, oh, it's good to tack it on at the end of the day, you know, just be thankful to God. Woohoo, I survived another one. Thanksgiving is a way to avert catastrophe. In this world, And in each one of our lives, our way of thinking. Because the longer we live, the longer we go without acknowledging who God is, our whole way of thinking is perverted. Distorted. We're not glorifying the God who made us, the God who placed us here in this world. We're trying to glorify ourselves and no matter how nice you are or how nice you think you are, it's wrong. And we get into this slippery slope where we are right now. I mean, feels like we're at the bottom of it. And so what we need to do is invite this truth this absolute ultimate truth into our lives. Invite him into our lives each day. Be thankful to God. We might be saying, is it too late? Is it too late for this world? Or how can, how can I change? And what does that look like? Well, we know the truth is a person. We know God is over this world But then we sort of see how, you know, there was this failure, there was this falling, there's this this automatic tendency that you and I have now, we call it the natural man, the sinful natural man, where we fall away from God. What hope do we have? God came into this world. Christ came, didn't he? If we go back to chapter one of, of the Gospel of John, We have that beautiful unfolding where it says Jesus is God. He was there at the beginning. He was the instrument of creation. He was the one who brought us into existence. When God spoke, it must have been Christ's voice that called 
this world, all that is in it, you and I, into existence. But it's not simply a physical existence that became a fallen existence that became uh, just this ongoing seething struggle. But it goes on in that chapter and it talks about Christ being life and light and revelation and truth. It says he came to his own, his own received him not, but, but as many as believed on him, to them, he gave the right to become the children of God. Christ came into this world. He gave He gave his life. He paid for our sin so that we could come back into a relationship with him. We could step out of that confusion and understand that God is God. He's our God. He loves us. He cares for us. And and things get turned around and we see even the struggles and the problem and the suffering in this world and we go, it makes sense. A wonderfully good created world falls into sin. Sin affects everything. Affects everything. Thus, we die. The biggest reminder. But Christ. But Christ comes in and pays for our sin and allows us to exist not just as physical human beings in this world, but to those who believe, to those who who don't reject him, who don't push him aside, who acknowledge who he is, our only savior, our only salvation. We exist in a spiritual way, in relationship with God. Thanksgiving reestablishes truth the truth about this life, where it came from, right? The creation and our own forming and being born. Second of all, giving thanks reminds us of the source of of everything or the everything of our daily lives. How does it work? How does this thanksgiving thing work well it just leads right out of that he's our god he created everything we we understand that foundation but in the end of verse three it says we are his people and the sheep of his pasture and then verse four goes into once again you know entering into his gates with thanksgiving coming into his presence worshiping him but i want to sit on this idea of the relationship, the picture that we're given in terms of our our relationship with God. It says, we're the sheep of his pasture. We are his people, but we're the sheep of his pasture. And that gives us such a picture of the care relationship that's going on. Sheep are dumb. They don't know what they need and where to get what they need. 
And really, you know, in our humanness, we could be frustrated by that sort of dumbness with, with sheep. But that's, you know, we could sort of beat on them and, and, and push them around. But we don't do that with sheep. Sheep are led, right? And God gives us this picture in these animals. That's why he created them. To give us this picture of something greater, a relationship that he wants to have with us where, you know, we're dumb and we would run off of cliffs and get, get lost and get tangled up in things like sheep do. We would go our own way, as it says in Isaiah 53, and get lost, but for the voice of the shepherd. This relationship of dependence where they understand, you know, a good sheep. What's a good sheep? A good sheep is a sheep that knows, I'm dumb, and I can't do this on my own. And so I listen for that voice. And, you know, I don't think, you know, we get Disney and all that, and they, you know, they know what we're thinking, and, of course, they can talk, and they would snug. You know, I, sheep, they just, they just got it. That's the guy who we follow to get what we need. And, of course, our relationship with God is so much deeper than that because he created us in our image. We have a consciousness. We can think through things like this. Sheep aren't sitting around thinking through their relationship with the shepherd and how it works. But here we are. We're given this picture to understand the dependency that we have on God for everything. And this, I talked about at the introduction. This is the thin edge of the wedge. This is where it begins in terms of us understanding what our relationship is like with God. God knows that we need the constant reminders. And so, you know, we can get up in the morning and we can thank the Lord for a good night's sleep in a, in a, a comfy bed, in a, you know, a great home and the food that's in the fridge. And, you know, if we were in a Sunday school class right now asking the kids, these are the things that, and the clothes to put on, right? And on and on in the bank accounts and the this and that. Those are just little reminders, little hints of something much greater. And so this is how this whole Thanksgiving thing is supposed to work. Yes, we gather together, we thank God for his constant provision for the country that we live in, for the food that we have, the harvest. This is why we have Thanksgiving now, right? But it's to take us much deeper into this idea of what God offers us in terms of our needs and his provision and security. We could say necessity and security. You know, I think everything that if I was to ask you today, what are you thankful for in the everyday it would fall under one of those two categories, necessity, our needs, and security, our protection, right? Anybody thinking of anything outside of those two things? And that's what we talk about. We talk about, man, our needs being met and the security and protection that we have, and yet those things are, are just little tokens, 
little tokens because when we have a relationship with God, when we think about him as being the creator of the universe, when we think about our relationship with him, we start to think of those things in, in a much bigger way. You think, wait a second, we wouldn't even have those needs if it wasn't him who created us in this way and all the way along, he's created this world that provides for our needs and you know, we, if we live in truth, if we operate according to the system of this world, our needs are met by God in indirect ways and very direct ways too because we've all seen how he's provided for us when you know, things are going wrong and we, we, we have this need and boom, all of a sudden, he just takes care of it for us. So we look back and we see how God has produced a world that is a needy world, but it provides for our needs as his people. And we see how this all fits together in terms of necessity. And then we think about the idea of security. How does God provide for our security? Oh, he cares for us in so many ways. We don't even know what he's protected us from. In fact, we live in a very safe part of the world because of a past, people's dependence on God and his influence and impact, even in indirect ways. But when we talk about necessity and security, even more so, what do we have? Because all of these things that we've been talking about so far are just for this brief time that we exist on this planet. Then what? And we recognize our greatest need because of the fall, because of our sin. Our greatest need is for holiness. Because we can't have a relationship with God. We can't be in relationship with him and worship him without being like him. There's enmity, it says in God's word, between us and him. And that's our greatest insecurity as well. Do you realize that? That's why we're insecure. We all have our insecurities they show up in different ways, but we all have them. But it's all from sin. It's because we're out of fellowship in some way. We have some issues in terms of our relationship with God. But God provided one thing to take care of our greatest need for holiness and our greatest insecurity which is being out of fellowship with him. And once again, we come right back to Jesus Christ. He died to take our sins. He died to give us a relationship with God. Romans 5, 1 talks about us having peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It makes sense of the need that all began back here at the creation of the world and goes on to 
security and peace in a relationship with God on into the future and even beyond the future. And so we start to understand how this thanksgiving thing works and becomes not simply a, wow, my needs are met and we're pretty safe to, wait a second, this is something beyond this life where God is caring for us for eternity. And that's where we are led to. Giving thanks renews our focus on our everlasting life. You see, when I started off with that title, thankful for life in the Lord, you know, even a simple word like life can mean so many different things, can't it? God created life back here, existence, our existence as a world, as an individual. And then God gave us life. And so many times we talk about the daily things that we need. Oh, this is my life. But then there is this other thing that goes beyond, that includes and swallows up and goes beyond all of these other lives. And it is eternal life, everlasting life. And for those who are in relationship with God, who believe that his son paid for their sins, who are following him. Those who are in relationship with Christ have everlasting life. And we see it come up in verse five here of Psalm 100. It says, for the Lord, he is good. How could he be good God if he just planted us in this world for about 70, 80 years? We struggled along here and then it was done. And as some of the biblical authors have rightly said, <laughs> why would you do this, God? You know, why am I, it would be better that I was not born than to live in this world of struggle and toil. Except the Lord's good. And we understand that this life that he's given us is much more than this time period here. This life, this relationship that we can have with God goes way beyond what we're experiencing here. It includes it and it can change it and we can see how this life with all of its struggles, with all of its suffering, with all the challenges and difficulties can be good because we, the servants of God, his people are living here with a purpose and we're able to glorify him and point to his truth and point others to his truth and worship him through the struggle. And we go on into eternity with him. It says in verse four, yeah, he's good. His steadfast love endures forever forever you see he's an eternal God he created this world and us 
as his people and he stamped on us his image. He has no starting point. We have a starting point and wow, he gave us many things that reflect who he is and one of them is eternality. We come into this world, we have been made to live but there's another thing that's eternal. It's also his love. And his love will go on forever. And for his people, for the sheep of his pasture, if he is, has, has called us to be his own and we have received that life from him, then we are in an eternal relationship of love with him. Once again, through Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And so we, these, these physical creatures that exist in this world, uh, looking for all that we need and security for the time we're here, he, he gives us so much more. An eternal existence, the holiness we need. It's not our holiness. We don't come to Christ and all of a sudden become, you know, we're wonderful people. No, we come to Christ and Christ gives us he gives us his holiness so that we can have a peace-filled relationship with God because as God looks at us, he knows our sins have been paid for by his son according to the plan that he put in place before, it says, the foundation of the world. He's outside of time. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And Paul reminds us in Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son. He didn't spare his own son. He gave his son for us. For us all. How will he not with him graciously give us all things? And we see those two ideas brought together here. The all things the everything of, of this life that we continue to acknowledge comes from God. Another blessing comes from God. Even that need I have, he's given me that need and maybe it's a bigger thing than that he's going to fulfill it for us. Maybe it's just a need that is going to point me back to God. Maybe he'll never fill that need but that need will accomplish something great in my life <laughs> because it'll turn my attention back to my God. And show me how he has fulfilled the greatest needs. And those things, those things that he's constantly doing for us, they bring us back to this point. He didn't spare his own son. He gave him for us. And the fact that he gave his son to us, does that not mean in this life, we turn to him and we go, he's got it covered. He's already invested in my life. He gave his only son. How can I not trust him for 
the future going forward. If God is willing to make that kind of an investment toward my care at the deepest level of my need, the deepest level of my, my security, my peace, doesn't that kind of set us free? What do we have to worry about? All that is important is already bought and paid for. The daily things that we thank God for are just hints of the greater gift, the person of Jesus Christ. A love relationship that will last forever. The best known psalm, Psalm 23, 6, ends, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I also found a place where these three elements come up in one single verse in the psalm, Psalm 16, 11. You make known to me the path of life. Yeah, he created me and he put me in that path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. As we live in this life, we recognize that it's him who's provided in all these ways. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That which we long for, that which we hope for, that which we want, our needs fulfilled, our security secured. It's with him and forever. And so we understand, as it says in Romans eleven thirty six, for from him and through him and to him are all things. Everything came from him. Everything that we have today is through him. And in relationship, in relationship with him, we're going to him. And everything we have here reminds us of that. God's creative power. God's compassionate provision. And God's comprehensive presence. He's with us now and he will be with us for eternity. We will be with him. Lord, we come before you and you've drawn us in and I don't know, our, our minds are too small. Our attention spans are too small. Uh, this is something we have to even develop more. But you've created it in this way that when we leave this place, we will run into needs and insecurities and I pray that you'd help us to turn to you and realize that you are the one we look to. That you are the one who fulfills these little needs and these little insecurities that are the moment by moment, day to day things. And Lord, help these things to draw us in deeper to a relationship with you. Maybe, maybe it's simply acknowledging that you are God. 
and that your son is the savior. His sacrifice, our salvation. Maybe there are those here who need to acknowledge that, who need to receive you, Lord Jesus, as their savior. But certainly, Lord, for those of us who are in relationship with you, who are, are struggling through this life to, to see you in these circumstances, we know that the more we acknowledge you, we see it here in your word, the more deeply we will understand your presence with us. And it's a presence that started creation past is in the everyday, each day now, and will go on forever into eternity. Lord, we thank you for life, for creating us, for keeping us. And that part we understand so little about, the eternal nature of living in your presence and having every need and every insecurity met by your presence. Lord, help us. Help this day to be a day, these days, this weekend, to be a weekend of of just thankfulness for all that you are and all that you have done. And I pray that there would be a constant thankfulness in the hearts of your people, us as a congregation, even with the struggles, even with the difficulties, because we realize that you have a plan even for those. They point us back to you. And they make us long for the final fulfillment, that everlasting life with you. Continue to teach us, pray, we pray, and help us, Lord, to be willing learners. In Christ's name, amen.